0: This evening we'll be looking at just a few passages, uh, about a chapter or so, which is a bit long for Lecture Divina, but it should do, um, from the book of Exodus, where it's really where we begin, we discover Moses. We'll be, um, we have in chapter 2, the first portion just before this night's uh, reading, we have a a bit about the the birth of Moses, about the fact that the uh, people of Israel who had come to Egypt Uh, as we saw at the end of the Joseph story. And uh, they had been there with uh, the one who was assistant to the Pharaoh. But in due time, a new Pharaoh came and forgot Joseph and the people of Israel were thrown into slavery, to bondage. It is so often a reality that the people of God face. And we think of our own time in these days, a lot later than Moses, when so many Christians are facing such persecution. And so we then discover Moses. He is uh, um, the firstborn, the young boys are to be killed. His mother saves him by putting him in a a little basket among the reeds on the side of the river. Pharaoh's uh, daughter comes and picks him up, takes him out of the water, as they say, which is one explanation of the word Moshe or Moses. And then he's raised in the royal court, basically as an Egyptian, although in fact he's a Hebrew. And that's where the passage begins this evening. Uh, He heads out from this world of privilege and of uh, culture and of protection, or he alone among the Hebrews is living a life of great security. He sets out and that's something we all have to do. He sets out from you might say his comfort zone and what he discovers is oppression and uh, he discovers the suffering of his people and then uh, through various adventures um, where he kills someone so it's the great moses is a murderer Uh, he kills someone he flees uh, to the desert he has a profound experience of the lord and that's the point at which uh, this evening's reading will end but then of course he goes back on his mission to uh, egypt to be the instrument of god's grace through whom the hebrew people were freed from their bondage to sin. In the spiritual tradition, since we're not going to be continuing with Exodus, we're moving on to Ruth next next month. Um, in the spiritual tradition of the church, especially seen in the Psalms, which relate to um, Moses and to the freeing the people from Egypt, Egypt represents bondage and slavery, comfortable, secure, but slavery. And we're called to come out of that through the waters of the Red Sea, into not the promised land, but through the desert of purification, and finally into the promised land, only through that purification. More dangerous, we need to come out of our own comfort and being enslaved. We need to be free. And that's what um, Moses' great mission is in the Old Testament. And so now let us enter into a spirit of prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's ask the Lord to free us from all of those barriers within our hearts that block the pathway of the Lord into our hearts. All our distractions, may we discover the power of silence, all of our sins, may we discover the mercy of God. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man who did the wrong, why do you strike your fellow? He answered, who made you a prince and judge over us? "'Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian?' Then Moses was afraid, and he thought, "'Surely the thing is known.' And when Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. "'But Moses fled from Pharaoh "'and stayed in the land of Midian, "'and he sat down by a well. "'Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters.' And they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. And When they came to their father, Ruel, he said, how is it that you have come so soon today? And they said, an Egyptian delivered us out of the hands of the shepherds and even drew water for us and watered the flock. He said to his daughters, and where is he? Why have you left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man. And he gave Moses his daughter, Zipporah. She bore a son and he called his name Gershom, For he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. In the course of those many days, The king of Egypt died, and the sons of Israel groaned under the bondage, their bondage, and cried out for help. And their cry under the bondage came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God saw the sons of Israel, and God knew their condition. I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. Then he said, Do not come near. Put off your shoes from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses uh, hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering and I have come down to deliver them out of the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, the land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me and I have seen the, the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, and that you may bring forth my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. And then Moses said to God, If I come to the sons of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the sons of Israel. I am has sent me to you. One day, When Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. Moses would not simply stay within that place where he was being raised as a prince of Egypt. He went outside. He risked that moving outward. And he sensed, I think, that he felt the call of his people. He knew they were suffering. And so he moved outward. We see this so often with Moses. He is a person who is always willing to move out to help, to care. We'll see this later when he goes to the land of Midian, that he is there to defend the daughters of Ruel from the shepherds and to help, to reach out, to serve. And this is what we see in him and what we need to see in ourselves. Moses is one who does not hold back but he gives himself in service to those who are suffering, those who are in need. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. It would be so safe to ignore this. After all, this is an Egyptian. And really Moses by this point is kind of an Egyptian himself. He is certainly living with all the security of an Egyptian aristocrat. But he looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. Well, he certainly was decisive. We have to say that. Whether striking out and killing the Egyptian is, well, as I say, Moses, the great Moses, is a murderer. Uh, it's nice to know, isn't it? so is, for that matter, is David. And some of the greatest of, well, so for that matter, is St. Paul. Do you think of the people he was hunting down? The Lord reaches out and saves us. He makes use of the decisiveness of Moses. And we trust he forgives him his sinfulness. So there he is, a man who is mixed, even the great Moses, the person who is a great leader, prophet, man of God, the one who sees God face to face, and who reached out and killed someone, but did so, at least, the cause of justice, trying to protect the Hebrew who was being hurt by the Egyptian. And he hid him in the sand. How interesting. Oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive and when first we practice to hide away our iniquities. He hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, Behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man who did the wrong, Why do you strike your fellow? And he answered, Who made you a prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known. And Pharaoh heard of it. He sought to kill Moses. So Moses found out what we often find out. That we think something is totally secret and it isn't i think um, it was the great saint or maybe not saint of benjamin franklin who said three may keep a secret if two of them are dead and i think uh, that is true so what do you know there he is he's launched out he's killed the egyptian Ah, got away with it hid the body And then he goes out again, again, decisive. He makes a decision, you're in the wrong, you're in the right, do right. That part's good. But then the one who's in the wrong says, who made you prince and judge over us? Do you plan to kill me the way you killed the Egyptian? It is no. And so the brave and courageous Moses is afraid. For no other reason, he is killed. If he'd killed the Hebrew, he would have gone away with the problem, but he's killed an Egyptian. And even though he's been raised as an Egyptian, he knows he is in danger. And so he is afraid and he flees because when Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. And so he goes from a time of success and growing up in the court of Pharaoh security, happiness, and fulfillment, he reaches out. And the result of that is that Moses is now in a position where he's fleeing for his life. How often in the Old Testament and the New for that matter, but certainly in the book of, of Genesis, you know how Joseph was thrown in a pit, then he's raised up to become the, the head of the family of a Potiphar, and then he's thrown down into jail again, then raised up again. The hand of God guides it all. The hand of God is there. He's fleeing for his life just a short time after being in such power that the Hebrew says, who do you think you are to be a prince and judge over us? You can see some of the haughtiness of Moses that he had picked up during his education at the royal court. And now he's fleeing for his life. And in doing that, he finds God. It's when he's at his lowest that he's brought to the highest. And this is the great reality we sometimes face in our own lives. So Moses is on the run. Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. It's interesting how God comes to us in unexpected places, not at the great royal court of Pharaoh, but off in the desert, behind the back of the desert, as it says, somewhere off there, we find God. We need to be aware of that. Sometimes it's important for us to flee to a place, to the desert, to, you might say, to a foreign land, the land of the Midianites, who are basically the enemies of the Hebrew people. And yet he finds his future, he finds his mission from God in the midst of the enemy. And this is something that's something to ponder. It's not what we would plan. It's not his own career path that he's thinking of. The ways of God are not our ways. And so Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. And the priest of Midian had seven daughters. And they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. So often people sitting at a well meet people. That's where you met people in those days. Remember Jesus at the well, Samaria, meeting the woman of Samaria? Well, here too, I think we could maybe, maybe we should do a a whole series of Lecture Divina on who you meet at the well. I think we could probably put together at least 10 Very interesting encounters. So here come the seven daughters of the priest of Midian to water their father's flock. But then the shepherds came and drove them away. Usually we think of shepherds, especially after Christmas, as rather benign figures. But here we have people fighting at the well. They push aside these daughters of the priest of Midian. But Moses, again, He is a man who takes action. He has courage. He doesn't sit back. He steps forward. Moses stood up. Maybe we could put a whole lifetime in those words. Moses stood up. He didn't sit back. He stood up. And he drove them away. Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. He stood up. He defended the daughters of the priest of Midian, and then he humbly watered their flock for them. He is, ser- talk about servant leader. Here we have someone he is growing in his leadership. He is the one who defends to serve, protect, defends the daughters of Jethro from the people attacking him. He stands up and takes action, and then he serves humbly to help them. That's a perfect summary of what we all need to be in our own different missions and vocations. To stand up and not to sit back. Of course, sometimes he stood up and he killed the Egyptian, which maybe was not the best thing to do. He stood up and started analyzing which Hebrew was right, which maybe he was still learning what it means to stand up and take action. But now he's getting, you might say, getting the swing of it now. He stands up, drives off the bad guys, and serves the daughters. Here he's coming, sort of by gradually, he's coming to a better sense of what he should do. This isn't always easy in our lives. We do need to stand up and take action, be bold, but we also have to reflect on what is the consequence of our action. And I think real full leadership involves both the courage to stand up and act and the wisdom to know when to do so. What is that famous saying, Lord, give me the courage to change the things I can, the serenity to accept the things I cannot, and the wisdom to know the difference? Or another thing which I often follow is uh, measure twice, cut once, think clearly. Since God put our heads in so prominent a place in our bodies, we should think it through and look at not just standing up and firing away, boom, 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 but standing up, acting, but thinking it through because the best sequence is ready, aim, fire, not fire, ready, aim. And gradually Moses is getting that sequence. At first he's fire, ready, aim when he smites the Egyptian. Now he's getting it a bit better in line, ready, aim, fire. And so when they came to their father, Ruel, now that's an interesting name. Have you ever heard that before? It's not a common name. It's only used twice in the Old Testament. And just a bit later, his other name is used, Jethro, which is used in a lot of cases. Well, I, he's a famous, there's a famous person who used, has that name, John Ronald Ruel Tolkien. And so I can't get through an evening without making a reference to the Lord of the Rings. So there, it has been done. We'll check that off. When they came to their father Ruel, he said, How is it that you have come so soon today? And they said, an Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and even drew water for us and watered the flock. That's amazing. There are people off in the boondocks or off in the desert, way off in the land of Midian of all places. And here's this Egyptian. And it's an Egyptian. is a member of the high-powered elite. He is someone from the greatest country in the world. And this Egyptian you would think would be someone who would make himself lord, prince, and judge over people, as he did before. But this Egyptian, this aristocrat, drove off the bad guys and helped us, served us, watered our flock for us, drew water, even drew water for us and watered the flock. This may be about as much of a marvel as the burning bush, to see someone who was you'd expect to be more, you know, pompous or powerful or whatever, humbly serving. Well, they said an Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds. He even drew water for us, and he watered the flock. Wow, that's amazing. And so Ruah said, "Where is he? <laughs> why have you why have you left the man? Call him." That he may eat bread and Moses was content to dwell with the man and he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah the bird means Zipporah and she bore a son and he called his name Gershom, for he said I have been a sojourner in a foreign land Ger is a sojourner a person in a foreign land as much of life we can live in those lines I have been a sojourner in a foreign land, far away from my homeland, which for him was Egypt. I've been off in the desert, in the desert of Midian. I have been a sojourner just passing through in a foreign land. And it is there in the least likely of places that Moses found himself. He went from being a haughty aristocrat to being a servant, to being a leader, still keeping his activity and his active nature, stand up, fight. He never lost that because that was a natural gift, just like the zeal of Paul was a natural gift. It's just better to focus it on the gospel and not on persecuting Christians. So he had all that, but he's growing already in the depth of the way he's being shaped to be someone who could be a supple instrument in the hands of God for the great mission of freeing the people. And he's going to find, he's going to need a lot of that. He'll need a lot of the strength because the people are not going to agree. They're going to treat him the way the first Hebrews he met. Who are you? Who are you? So, in that distant land, I've been a sojourner in a foreign land. Let's just spend a little quiet time now and reflect on Moses so far. He's gone from success and comfort. He moved out of that. He acted with justice, but ferociously. He fled. He stood up and defended against evil. He became a servant. He settled down with his wife and his little child, but far away from home, that's where he discovered God. Just ask ourselves in our own lives Have I become too complacent, like Moses still at the aristocratic court? Have I allowed myself to be shaped by the hand of God, maybe through the struggles I face? If you have success all the time and nothing but praise, which none of us really gets for very long, but some of us can get it too much, it's probably healthy to come in for some knocks and some being beaten about. It's it's healthy spiritually, to feel a little bit more like a sojourner in a foreign land rather than like a master of the house. How have I found God in those experiences in my life? In the course of those many days, the king of Egypt died. And the sons of Israel groaned under their bondage and cried out for help. And their cry under bondage came up to God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God saw the sons of Israel, and God knew their condition. Bondage, groaning, suffering. The Lord hears the cry of the poor. One of the blessings of praying the divine office is that so often we come upon psalms which speak of God hearing those who are suffering. In the midst of it all, in this valley of tears, God hears the cry of the poor. And yet it may seem that he does not. And it's going to take a long time to get them out of Egypt because the hardness of heart of the Pharaoh... But he hears them. He is not distant. I remember reading once about a great time of suffering in the church during the Great Schism, where the church split apart. And there was all kinds of corruption and, oh, horrible things happening. And some people said that Jesus is asleep in the boat. (laughs) Wake him up, wake him up, as the, the disciples did, too, when there's a storm, you know? And they said, wake up, wake up. And he says, oh, you of little faith. And he calms the storm. Sometimes we, when we're in those conditions, whatever it may be and for each of us, it's different, different ways, different times sometimes in our lives. And even in the way the church suffers from time to time, we see great iniquities. We always remember God is listening. He doesn't forget us. Sometimes we go through a testing, either personally or as a community, that we might be purified. That the harshness, the complacency that was in Moses when he started might be burned away. Be purified. For God hears the cry of the poor, He always hears us. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And fear not, the Lord is listening. We need to be comforted in that. And that's why when in our own personal lives or in the situation of our own community of whatever kind, whether it be family or the church itself or our own country, when there is so much of an advance of so much that is unwholesome, we need to go deep deep, deep. These things are not solved the flick of a switch. These things, evil is resilient. And it needs, we need to operate to remember that life is a marathon, not a sprint. We need to be attentive to that. That may be just to throw in another reference to Ruel, John Ronald Ruel Tolkien. One of the great things about the Lord of the Rings is that there's no quick solution to the power of evil. It's a long struggle. And yet the Lord is there, the power of divine providence throughout. We need to be strengthened for the long struggle. That is our call. And so in the course of these many days, the king of Egypt died. The sons of Israel groaned under their bondage and cried out for help. And their cry under bondage came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God saw the sons of Israel, and God knew their condition. And where can the solution come? Where could it come from? It has to come from the burning bush. The fire of theophany, as we celebrate the epiphany, the fire of letting the light of Christ shine to the nations, Lumen Gentium, it's the fire of the burning bush that is what is our, it's our salvation. As we come before the Lord who listens to the cry of the poor, we cannot find superficial solutions to profound problems, to resilient evil, We always, whatever we do particular ways, whatever tactics we use to deal with problems, that's fair enough. But we always have to go deeper, deeper, deeper. And Moses is not going to get a lesson in leadership. He's not going to find some trick for overcoming Pharaoh because there's no quick way of doing it. And the culture of death is not ended with a snap of the fingers. Much as we might wish it were so, It's a long struggle, and the only way is to go deeper and deeper into the light and the fire and the warmth and the love of the burning bush. And that's just what Moses does now. Before he launches on his active mission of confronting the emperor, he first must come before the Lord. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So off he goes, off away from the center where he will be called to confront the power of evil. To the west side of the wilderness. That's the back of the wilderness, it says in one of the in the original to the back of the wilderness. This is as far off the beaten track as you can go. And he went, he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness. And I think we have to find God there before we come back into the center of things. To the Horeb, the mountain of God, also known as Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. I will go up to the mountain of God, to God, the joy of my youth. And now he has that experience. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight. Why this bush is not burnt? When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said... Here am I. Wow. So he sees this burning bush. He sees something out of the ordinary. And his curiosity leads him toward it. God works with many things to draw us closer to him. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside, he called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, God calls us by name, just as later on in the Bible, in the Old Testament, he calls to the child in the temple, Samuel, Samuel. That as the Samuel says there, if the priest tells him to speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Here, Moses says something. Here am I, here am I. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to your word. Always we begin with the experience of God. That's why this church is pretty full all the time in any other Catholic church, during the afternoons, during the day when people come before the burning bush to come to the manifest experience of Almighty God, to come to the west side of the wilderness, out of the wilderness in which we live to the west side of the wilderness to come before the burning bush, to come before the presence of the Lord. And there God speaks to us, Moses, Moses, and the only response to the initiative of God, the angel of the Lord declared to Mary and she conceived by the Holy Spirit, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to your word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And that is the action part, when she goes off and the visitation flows from the annunciation. But no annunciation, no visitation. The visitation is busy work if it doesn't flow from the annunciation. The profundity of the visitation, of the confrontation with with Moses is the confrontation with Pharaoh the visitation, the action part, the profundity of it comes from the contemplative part. Behold, here I am. And then to emphasize that, God said to him, do not come near, put off your shoes from your feet, for the place in which you are standing is holy crowned. He didn't say, I'm your buddy, God, let's chat no it is the lord and i think we may forget that sometimes that's why it's good to spend time in humble adoration before our lord and the blessed sacrament my lord and my god take off your shoes for this is holy ground this is not a god a false god we create it is the god who creates us Do not come near. Sometimes we come too near. Now, the Lord who is Almighty God is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who comes amongst us as a little babe at Bethlehem. But that little babe and that suffering servant on the cross is Almighty God with us. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And so should we all be. Not fear in the sense of fear that he had when afraid of Pharaoh. He's fleeing to the wilderness. He's afraid he's going to be killed. He's scared out of his mind. He's going to be killed. So he fears the Pharaoh in that way. And he runs off to Midian. This is different. He was afraid to look at God because it was the Lord. The Lord who loves him, the Lord he loves, but not his buddy. It is almighty God. It is that fear which is the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. We know who we are in the presence of God. What I am in the sight of God, that I am indeed. No more, no less. It is that fear that is not f- being frightened. It is rather what is sometimes used in the confirmation rite, as wonder and awe in his presence. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Look at the different times we had the experience of God in the Old Testament. Remember, again, on the mountain where God goes by, and not in thunder and lightning, but in a gentle breeze? We do not look directly at the Lord God any more than we look directly at the sun. And then the Lord said, "'I have seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, "'and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. "'I know their sufferings. "'I have come down to deliver them "'out of the hand of the Egyptians, "'and to bring them up out of the land "'to a good and broad land, "'the land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me and I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring forth my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. And so we have God hears the cry of the poor. His compassion is there. And then we have His majesty in the fire of the burning bush, which is the majesty of the compassionate God, who then speaks of His compassion again, of the care He has for those who are suffering. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? But He said, but I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you when you have brought forth the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God upon this mountain. This is essential. Moses is no longer as cocky as he was earlier on. I'm going to do it. Now he says, who am I to confront Pharaoh? He realizes he can't do it on his own. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? But God says to him, But I will be with you. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Blessed be the name of the Lord, both now and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And in the midst of all of our struggles, we need to never forget that. Whatever our pharaohs and our things are, and my gosh, in this society we're in right now, uh, i tell you, the corruption and the, the attack on the family and so many things. But our help is in the name of the Lord. We need to go deep for this great battle. And the Lord is with us every step of the way. And in the course of the long struggle, we will be purified of our arrogance and of our sense that I can conquer Pharaoh. We need to have more in our own hearts and our own human hearts. Who am I to conquer Pharaoh? And God says, but I will be with you. It is that humble service of the Lord, which ultimately will bring down the evil that we confront whether it's within our own hearts, struggling with something that may seem a pharaoh of power, or whether it's in our society, whether it's within even our experience of the church. We have different things, struggles, fights, all kinds of things. And we have a society in which there's a whole shift towards a very distorted vision of the human person. And unfortunately, well, maybe unfortunately it's reality the snapping of fingers does not get rid of it. It is a long struggle in which we need to trust our hearts and souls to the Lord God and draw close to the burning bush where alone we find our salvation. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the sons of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the sons of Israel. I am has sent me to you. This is not some little godlet, some little thing we make. This is Yahweh. It is I am. It is everything. This is not just some great entity in creation, no matter how great. That's like some of these... uh, Uninformed atheists, you know, I don't believe in the God they don't believe in. It's some kind of big creature that's sort of powerful they think people believe in. God is, I am who I am. And remember what Jesus says later on, before Abraham was, I am. That is a direct claim to divinity. He is not just some prophet. That's the level at which we are called to live, in the presence of I am. And we find that in the presence of the burning bush, which must be the source of all our life. And until he comes in glory, we find that in his word that speaks to us, calling us by name. And we find it in the Holy Eucharist, which he has given to us so that he may be with us, until the end of time and we see him face to face and when we're not celebrating the Holy Eucharist to maintain that presence in the burning bush which is the blessed sacrament and nothing less than that is sufficient or we'll end up being cocky and think we're going to solve these problems with our own bright ideas and there's many a stumble and a fall that will teach us even as Moses is taught here that that's just not the way it is One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and he looked on their burdens and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. And he looked this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the ground. And when he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man who did the wrong, why do you strike your fellow? He answered, who made you a prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known. And when Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. And now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled their troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. When they came to their father, Ruel, he said, How is it that you have come so soon today? They said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and even drew water for us and watered the flock. He said to his daughters, And where is he? Why have you left the man? Call him, and he may that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah. She bore a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, "I have been a sojourner in a foreign land." In the course of those many days, the king of Egypt died. And the sons of Israel groaned under the bondage, their bondage, and cried out for help. And their cry under bondage came up to God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God saw the sons of Israel, and God knew their condition. And Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. But he said, Do not come near. Put off your shoes from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses uh, hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters I know their suffering, but I have come down to deliver them out of the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, the land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me and I have seen the, the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh. You may bring forth my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. And then Moses said to God, If I come to the sons of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me what is his name, what shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.